Welcome back to My Mythical Meta, your favorite podcast about gaming that is actually a secret podcast about friendship. I'm joined by the entire My Mythical Meta crew. I've got my brother Benjamin here with me. Hello. And my two best friends, Derek and Randy. Howdy. I'm Derek. He's Randy. <laughs> Everyone is here. How was y'all's week? So far, so good. Yeah, it's been, been all right. crushing my... Uh... Running goals, getting closer Congrats. to my 5K. Very good. What's y'all's weight loss progress? I am at almost 25 pounds. For the year? Insane, dude, how it just sheds off you. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Benjamin, how's yours? Uh, it's pretty good. I'm at about 10. Cool, cool, cool. Hell yeah, brother. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I actually hit my weight ATL today. Hopefully what's tomorrow. ATL? All-time low. Oh, awesome. Nice. That's great. I'm walking on sunshine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I have about 10 more pounds to go before I hit mine. Hell yeah. I have about 80 to go. <laughs> hey, I believe in you, Travis. That's easy, man. <coughs> I believe in you, too. You could do it by the end of the year yeah, if you, you want. I'm not even trying. You can do it by the end of the year. Yeah. January 1st, 2025, you could be 80 pounds lighter. Yeah. That gut, but gone. food is so good. I bet if you really wanted to, you could do it by your birthday. I believe in you. I bet you could. Yeah, but food is so yummy. It yeah. is. It is. Yep. You can still have it, just have less of it. And like watching TV is great. You can still do it, just do less of it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, it was awesome being able to hang out last week and get two league games in. We had a great game day with me, Derek, and Randy hanging out for most of the day. Benjamin had a debate tournament for most of the day, but then came and met up with us, picked up some packs from Murders at Markov Manor, and we were able to get two league games in. Benjamin, how'd your debate tournament go? Great. I had uh, four debaters qualify for city championships. Whoa. Yeah. So we're excited. That'll be the first weekend in March at the courthouse, which is always a cool experience to take some- Oh, that's fun. Yeah. We take the debaters. They get to debate in the courtrooms. The judges sit at the bench with where the judges actually sit. The, the, the kids <laughs> sit at the at the lawyer tables. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It's really cool. That's Good really neat. to them. So shout out to those debaters. I, I don't know if I can- say their names or not now that i think about it i wouldn't but if you join our our patreon we'll shout you out that way that's right and for our shout out this week our number one patron david yay (laughs) thank you david david holding on to that position as our number one patron Anyone can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash mymythicalmeta. Here are your perks for joining. We have one available tier. It's $4 a month, which is basically $1 per episode. And here's your perks. First, a 20% off code for eldoradogaming.com. You can use the normal promo code META just for listening to the podcast for 10 but by joining our Patreon you can get an exclusive 20% off code. Your second perk, early and ad-free content. And you can access the My Mythical Meta Discord server, where you can message us directly, talk about the games you play and the games we play, and potentially play games with us directly. Really excited for that opportunity to get to know some of the new Magic players that are joining our community. And Derek, what's our surprise perk for joining the Patreon this week? Yeah, so for this month, you can open hand slap my father in the face as hard as you can (laughs) one time. (laughs) 
Open-handed, no rings. As hard as you can. You have to provide your own transportation. Join our Patreon. I thought you were going to say your mother. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do our... The Eldorado Ascension Classic. Hello, Commander. I do my killing before breakfast. Seven o'clock. Eight o'clock. I do my killing after breakfast. I know Kung Fu. Come on, stop trying to hit me and hit me. You've thrown another moon at me. And I'm gonna lose it. Ally to good! Nightmare to you! Eldorado Ascension Classic Breakdown. Derek, still with a healthy lead at 54 points. My God, Derek earned 17 points last week over the course of only two games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ludicrous. Rise and grind, baby. Well, Derek kind of uh, showed us how the sausage was made and was basically like, I have all of these achievements in mind when I made these two new decks. Yeah. And it was... Uh, it was amazing. Benjamin has taken second place away from me and is at 43 points. And I am in third, only one single point behind Benjamin with 42. Randy bringing up the end at 34 points. Randy and I each earned 10 points last week. Benjamin earned 15 and Derek earned 17. An insane game. I'm getting comfortable down here in fourth. <laughs> Got a little hut set up. Got your chair all out. Next week, I'm building the tiki bar, so. <laughs> Benjamin, I just want to, like, extend an olive branch to you. Sure. How how can we get Derek down? Well, I don't know about we. I've started building a couple of decks with the achievements in mind as well. Oh, no. So I haven't, I haven't had a chance to pull out any new decks, but I will. And they're coming. Last week actually still felt pretty good for me. So Benjamin came straight from his tournament to our game shop to play and ended up borrowing two of my decks. So that got him some points for playing other players' decks. And then Benjamin won both games. So that's where the majority of his points came in, getting first place twice. Yeah. But... I got a little consolation for that by earning Ingenuity, being the deck builder for those decks. So that felt pretty good, too. Derek, tell us about where all your points came from in your new deck. I played Aragorn, King of Gondor. He's the red-white-blue Aragorn that cares about the monarch mechanic. Mm -hmm. uh, I got second place with him. I don't think I got a ton of points for that that deck yeah you got new deck and my hero the other one is alinda the dusk rose i've had alinda since she came out in ixalan and then i bought the uh, vampire precon that came out with the new ixalan set and i just kind of replaced the bad stuff and <laughs> put in a lot of good aristocrat type style sacrifice yeah. mechanics and alinda is super cool in that when y'all's creatures die she gets bigger and then when she dies i make a gigantic boar equal to her power so it was about making her get as strong as possible which got me our go tallest achievement yeah which and is then, worth three points and then all she had to do was die and suddenly i got go widest i just thought of that hamilton line all he had to do was die that's a yeah. lot less work we <laughs> ought to give it a try yeah i mean it was it was an amazing deck derek in that game earned second shared it with randy's eldrazi deck the point for new deck 
the point for going widest, the point for going tallest, and the point for I first blood. Mm-hmm. Oh, because uh, I got I killed somebody with commander damage is what it was. Yep, you killed me with commander damage, so you got I did it for that, and... I think that's it. That was all for that game, but still, 12 points in a single mm-hmm. game. Insane. Absolute insanity. That was a fun weekend, a great game day. And I look forward to the next one. I just went back and checked that that is actually the most points I've scored with the deck so far. Joda only had 11 points. Hmm. Wow. Okay, so Derek, you know you can't play Alinda again until you've played all 27 other color combinations. Woof. <laughs> I don't have it in me to play colorless. <laughs> I, oh, I, that dog. Well, we're all just going to borrow yeah. Randy's precon. <laughs> I got y'all. Oh. Hey, that deck did nothing. Yeah, Derek, if you crazy. win, you have to give Randy a point for ingenuity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys want to add anything to the to the league breakdown? No, I think it's it's going well, but it is interesting how much our gameplay is changing based on the league, right? We're we're talking about building with the league in mind. We're talking about the plays that we make. At one point you were like, "Man, my board is is such and such do i play this other creature or do i let myself get that achievement for only playing my commander oh yeah Trev yeah. did pull that off yeah i did when i was playing hactos yeah so it is warping our our metagame and that's i think something people should be aware of that anytime you start playing competitively even if there's no prizes on the line mm-hmm. it changes everything so make sure you incentivize the right things the thing the things you want to yeah. see i also think that uh, and i think scientists will tell you this is like when you start to record data it starts to alter the results Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. Because like I'm sitting here having never cared about win percentages or who's won more games or whatever for the last five years. And now I'm like, man, Benjamin, you and I need to take Derek down. <laughs> right. I'm making my deck so strong these days. That oh, I, I know. I've, I've been prepared for this. <laughs> All right. So let's get to this week's topic. The Wizards of the Coast Psychographics. Wizards of the Coast, over the course of their many years of game design, not only with Magic the Gathering, but with Dungeons and Dragons, these psychographics, these psychological profiles that they've created for their players, they use these player profiles to focus their card design. Each time they're designing a Magic the Gathering card or any other card game or any other Dungeons and Dragons class or feature, they're always thinking, what type of player does this cater to? Who is going to enjoy this particular facet of our game? And they always want all of their games to cater to these profiles. We think it's important to know what profile you fit. Early in season one, during episode seven, why we play, Mm -hmm. why we play the game. Knowing why you play games, what enjoyment you get from a game, is a good way to cater your gaming experience to you. You can make sure that you're playing games that scratch your itch, rather than continuing to try stuff that never works and you end up disappointed all the time. So the same reason knowing what you like in a game Knowing your psychographic, knowing your psychological profile is just another way to know thyself. When you know yourself and you know what you like, you can have a better gaming experience. And the same is true for knowing your friends and knowing your other gaming partners, the people you play games with. If you know them, then you can pick games and you can behave in games that are going to help other people and yourself to have fun. Yeah, and one of the interesting 
things about this is pretty much any enfranchised Magic player is going to feel like this is a lot of review because there are multiple articles written by Wizards of the Coast, uh, especially by Mark Rosewater. Uh, if, if you follow his Tumblr, he, he talks about yep. it all the time. There are videos about it, right? But one of the interesting things about our podcast is that most of our listeners are not highly enfranchised Magic players. We have a yeah. lot of people who, who play other card games, especially Yu-Gi-Oh! We yep. have a lot of people who are new to Magic. I happen to know we have people who got into Magic because of the podcast. Yeah. A lot of our listeners are board gamers or other people who are into gaming who may have not ever been exposed to these psychographics. And this will be brand new material for those people. It's still relevant, even though a lot of the, the things that we talk about and, and all of the information online that you find about this stuff is magic focused. It is not only for magic players. It's for any yeah. anybody playing a game. And as we'll talk about in the words of wisdom later, it's useful in other areas of your life, too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, y'all yeah. want to get into it? Yeah. Let's dig in. Randy, I think this first psychographic speaks mostly to you. I think that of the rest of us, you still have that starry-eyed wonder when you read new cards. Mm -hmm. I think this first profile is for you. Take it away. The Timmy slash Tammy. An emotional or adrenaline rush junkie. They want to experience something. They like the big stompy creatures, big flashy spells, a lot of kind of wild variants in their game. Also in it for a lot of like of the social interaction aspect. So, I mean, I think that's, that's pretty spot on for me for the most part. I think I'm like 90% Timmy with a little <laughs> bit of Johnny just for like the creative aspects of Johnny. But yeah, I, I just want to do something cool. And then I'm mainly in it just to, just to hang out. Yeah. I was just reviewing Mark Rosewater's article about this topic as we were preparing. And he said that the name Timmy just came up because he wanted to personify the kind of kid, you know, imagine a 13 year old opening their pack. They flip to the rare what do they want to see? Do they want to see a land? Probably not. <laughs> no, no, never. They want I get real bummed out. <laughs> the card he talks about is Verdant Force. It is a green okay. creature, mana cost four, green, 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 and it is a seven, seven. They want to see a big, stompy, powerful creature. It's a bad card. <laughs> Hey, card. <laughs> I love Verdant Force. Man, I do too, but of all the forces, it's probably the weakest one. Yeah. If you want Verdant Force, get Tendershoot Dryad. Jeez. Yeah, Tendershoot or Dryad is Illustrious Wonderglyph. Well, that's just power creep. You can't you can't yeah, that's true. can't do anything about that. But <laughs> power creep's getting everything. <laughs> I was thinking of another of another creature, Gigantosaurus. Yeah. yeah. Is five green for what is it, a ten ten? I think yeah. so, or a twelve twelve or something. It's five green double for digits. A and he says five green. It's not five and a green. It's green, 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 green. <laughs> yes. So five mana total. And what that tells us in that mana cost is you have to be playing only green. Yeah, it, it is a 10-10. It's simply impossible to cast this creature otherwise, but it comes out as a 10-10. This is a Timmy's dream. Like, this is what they want to see. And lots of new players are like this. They get excited by big creatures and big spells. These are the types of creatures that I used to get Derek and Randy into the game. And yes. it doesn't have to be specifically one big creature, a 10-10. I got Randy into the game with armies of goblins. Yep. That's the same idea, though, is it's a whole lot. It's an extreme 
in one direction or the other. And that's what Timmy's really love. They want an emotional experience. So when we say it's like the adrenaline rush, they want to see King Kong and Godzilla, you know, just bashing into each other. Or they want to see armies clashing on the battlefield. For Randy and I, at least, we both love Godzilla and just two monsters beat the hell out of each other. That's just the movie version of the I've lost count of the number of times y'all wear the same Godzilla shirt every day. <laughs> I think, like, am I going like to right y'all wear the same today? Godzilla shirt together? Yeah. And I'm like, I can't wear this shirt because he's going to be wearing it today. <laughs> <laughs> and then sure enough, you show up and you're both wearing the same Godzilla shirt. Yeah. Another type of card that Timmy's and Tammy's like are spells with high variance. So cards that include dice rolling or coin flipping. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking specifically about the Baldur's Gate dragons. Yeah. Yes. The Baldur's Gate ancient dragons that have you roll a 20-sided dice. Oh, I love those dragons. And you get <laughs> that number of creatures, or you get that number of treasures, or you get that number of plus one, plus one counters. Or one, one blue, fair, blue fairy dragons? Yes. It, yeah, it's, it's something yeah. like that. But, I mean, you could roll a one or a two on those. Yeah. But there's always that hope that you could roll a 20 or roll somewhere in the 15 through 20 and make it really, really worth it. I mean, even 10 is like, ooh, 10 treasure tokens? Mm. I know. Yeah, so these types of cards really speak to Timmy's and Tammy's. They come in for the emotional experience. They want their blood to pump and to see a big creature or a big army or a big number. They want to see some type of overwhelming, powerful move. Mm-hmm. Johnny's and Jenny's. This is the second psychographical profile. Johnny's and Jenny's use the game as a way to express themselves. They see these games primarily as self-expression. I'm going to use the cards I find in order to express my own ideas or my own personality. So Johnny's and Jenny's are defined by creative deck building, finding combinations of cards or interactions between cards that other people might not find or that might not be obvious. And they love finding unique uses for cards. Cards that seem like they don't belong somewhere and finding a way to use them and a way to use them well. I think I have been a Johnny for most of my career as a Magic player. I love finding cards that don't seem very good and trying to find ways to make them work. Travis, please tell them about the maze deck. Oh, tell them about my Gates deck? <laughs> yeah, the Gates, that's what I meant, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> my deck right now uses Joda the Unifier as its commander, five colors, and its mana base is the cheapest, trashiest, most god-awful mana base I've ever used in my life. And that's because it's the gates from the Ravnica sets. All of these are two-color lands that enter the battlefield tapped. And just about any Magic player will tell you that of the two-color lands, they are the worst. Because they don't have any other special abilities. They're just slow, and they give you only two options. Well, in the set Dragon's Maze, there was a card called Maze's End, which... After a long bit of complicated text, it says, if you control 10 gates, you win the game. And so, the purpose now of this mana base, once I include Maze's End, is to get 10 gates out. It is only through luck that the set Baldur's Gate came out with approximately 9-ish, I want to say about 9-ish other gates. Yeah. So, there is a chance now. 
<laughs> yeah. But still not as good for the rest of the deck as a normal mana base would be. Because they're all still into the battlefield tapped to color lands. And I just picked a five-color commander that I could do it with. This particular deck is Jota the Unifier. I want to say that I made the rest of the deck pretty uniquely, too. I agree, uh, yes. Yeah. Jota the Unifier gives all of your creatures a power boost for the number of legendary creatures you control. And I filled the deck with legendary creatures that also have partner. Partner with. Yeah, they, yeah that's right, that's right. They have partner with, and that means whenever you play that creature, you get to search your deck for the card that that creature is a partner with. So let's talk about Haldan and Paco, just for example. Haldan comes in, he has partner with Paco. I get to immediately search my deck, refill my hand with that additional card. And if I can cast it too, well now Joda is giving all of my creatures plus three plus three and I only had to play one card for my hand for it. The entire deck is filled with those. I want to say I have about 15 of those pairs, which easily fills 30 slots, which is my normal synergy slots for any commander deck I build. I say I've got about 30 slots for synergy stuff, just stuff that works well with the commander. That's how that particular deck works. I think it's such a unique idea, and you also <laughs> got a commander that works well with that idea. Well, I got it from Benjamin's bad Tazri deck. <laughs> right. Because his deck is also full of partner with, but he literally made no exceptions. So like 64 of the cards all say partner with something else. Right. And I was like, I want to take that idea and build something good with it. <laughs> but it is still it is still handicapped by its gates mana base at the same time. Yeah. However, when we played this weekend, I took your Joe to the Unifier deck and mm -hmm. won by getting 10 gate. Yeah. He did the damn thing. And I was so surprised because I don't think that deck in my memory is ever one no never <laughs> N never with a maze's end even in all the variations that i had with maze's end it was a golos deck before golos got banned and golos mm -hmm. should golos be the, the <laughs> commander to do that with he would be yeah. the best because when he comes in you get to search for a land so you get to grab maze's end immediately yeah so once he got banned i had to find another commander to hold on to this god-awful mana base. <laughs> and I managed to find it with Joda, I think. But that story, even if you aren't a Magic player and was kind of confusing, just kind of encapsulates what Johnnies try to do. They try to find cards that may not be good in other places, and they try to make them work. And I'm still trying to do that now. Randy, you said you still sometimes feel like you're a Johnny? You know, just a little bit, because I like... Yeah. I feel like I like... I like enjoy trying to find something that's just different a little bit yeah when you talked about making shrines i was like randy this is not gonna work this is a bad <laughs> yeah. idea you're gonna regret it <laughs> and it's one of the strongest decks in our meta yeah when it works yeah and we have <laughs> recorded the deck tech for it i just have to edit it and put the video together yeah i feel like the, the first card that i feel like i found that was bad but could be good was reality acid in my Brago deck. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's yeah. a card that's like, can't remember how it is. It's, it's three or four mana, and it's, I think it's that it's much. Three mana. Yeah, we have the power. I'll look it up. Yeah. When it leaves the battlefield, the owner of whatever it was enchanting sacrifices it. Yeah, but it takes like three, normally it takes like three or four turns. Yeah, it has an ability called Vanishing Three, which means it takes three turns and then it leaves the yeah. battlefield. But Brago just lets me bounce it 
whenever Brago does combat damage because I still own the card, so I can choose to bounce it. So it removes mm-hmm. it from the creature or, or the permanent. That permanent has to get sacrificed right then and there, and then it comes back in. Enchanting something. Yeah, yeah. and so every turn I can just keep using it instead of it just being a one-off, wait three turns, and then they both go to the graveyard. I can just keep yeah, on. it's a brutal. Yeah. It's brutal in that deck. We can demonstrate how bad this card is by looking at its cost. I'm on the Scryfall page. It is a six cent card. <laughs> yeah. It is six cents. It's six cents, and it's not because it's been printed into Oblivion. There's probably like, oh, well, maybe three printings of it. There are literally two printings <laughs> of it. Once in Planar Chaos and once in Time Spiral Remastered. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's been printed only twice, and it is a six cent card. Yeah. It is a pretty good Because nobody wants to pay three mana to get rid of something three turns from now. <laughs> like, wh- <laughs> why do that yeah. when I can play Beast Within, Generous Gift, Florida Plowshares, Anguish Unmaking? What is uh, it? Swords. Yeah, or, or anything less than three. Yeah, mana. all the one-drop white cards that can do the same thing yeah. for, you know, yeah, it's it's bad. But you found the deck that it goes mm-hmm. in, that it works really well in. And I think that is a Johnny trait. Finding cards that are bad in most places and finding a place where they can shine. I think that's really cool. Before we jump to the next one, also we have to remember Randy's first deck was Glissa Artifacts in green-black, which is not a good... <laughs> artifact that is so true yeah i tried i didn't think you were johnny but now that we've been talking about it i'm like okay yeah i can see it yeah Yeah, because i wanted to use the arc bound ability which i thought was fun and just do a lot of artifact bouncing and uh counters play with it i think it could be done better now if you made it right now i bet you could do a good job with it Yeah, yeah it's it's more of a will thing i thought there's there's other there's other uh golgari commanders i would rather do yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, that is interesting how we talk more about it. You start noticing the cards that seem bad that are in Randy's decks and then he and then they're good anyway. <laughs> like, uh, like this isn't no, supposed to work like this. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've had this joke before about the cards that are in Randy's signature spellbook. Hedron Archive and Dreamstone Hedron. Which is funny because I think that was early on. I haven't put those in a deck in a while. Yeah, it, it, it was around War of the Spark where we had that thought experiment yeah. during that yeah. like, three-hour drive. We were like, what cards are, are in your signature spellbook? And Randy's like, oh, uh, this six-mana mana rock is <laughs> one that I really like. And we're I was all like, new. Huh? I was new. <laughs> no, but I, it's cute, Randy. Oh, we, we love you for that. All right, bring us to our last psychographic Derek, tell us about Spike. All right, Spike is this. This is the person that is the most competitive. They mm-hmm. want to prove themselves. They enjoy winning. They have goals that they set for themselves. They're always trying to challenge themselves. They're trying to be the best they can be. Yeah. I I don't know how you guys view me, but for myself, I don't necessarily think of myself as a Spike player. I think of myself as a Timmy player who is playing as Spike as possible. I'm I'm playing things like, you know, Galta and these other huge spells, but I yeah. built the deck in such a way that I can you know, crank to those spells as fast as possible. But yeah, th- these are the people that, that want to win. They, they do the tournaments, and not that anyone can't do tournaments that aren't Spikes, but these are the people you'll find there, is that yeah. they'll win at any cost. Right, they're the ones who want to 
win. And so tournaments are a better scene for them where there's no social contract. There's no like, oh, you should be nice to people, allow, allow take backs, uh, let them yeah, tap yeah. their mana differently, whatever. No, they're the ones who would say, get good. You should have done it. Be, be a better ma- magic player. Yeah, yeah, there's no social interaction that they don't have to count on. Like when you're when we're playing four players, or you can't account for people playing politics and making deals outside of the actual game mechanics. But when it's just like one-on-one, like most tournament games are, they know what to expect. You know, like they they can they can tell the uh, outcome of a game better, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 train for the meta. Spikes are often the ones you'll actually find listening to set reviews and listening to pro players and reading articles. Spikes will dive into the deep end to learn as much as they can about their game so that they can counter or prepare for all other moves. Yeah. Like, like if you are listening to any gaming podcast... Except you know, maybe this one. <laughs> we're barely a gaming podcast. If you're, right. I do think if you're listening to our deck techs, yes. if you're listening to our deck reviews, then you have a hint of spike in you. Yeah. Like, there's a part of you who wants to see how the gears are connecting in the background of the game. And I, I do think there's something cool about spikes. I think all of us... Like, as soon as we read an article or picked up a podcast about magic, we became a little more Spike-like. And as soon as we created a league, we became oh, a little yes. more Spike-like. Yeah. yeah. That happened Shot ourselves too. way up. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I, I feel like I'm the opposite of Derek. I am a Spike that plays like a Timmy instead of a Timmy playing like a Spike. Yeah. You know, I'm the one who... I, I don't mind combos i don't mind stacks i love to play those and i like to play against them and, and it's a, a form of leveling up myself to play against weird strategies to play against strong strategies when we were at magic fest dallas I, you know i played in a tournament and won a box i have a play mat when i was i won the tournament of champions at my lgs and it's just the way you know i want to win and i want to to play that way but joining our meta I realized that those there were ways to play that weren't fun and ways to play that were. And if y'all wanted to play in this, you know, self-expression meta where we're we're smashing big creatures into each other, then that's what I was going to do, right? Yeah. And so Ravos and Tim and I, I made it where all my creatures buff all my other creatures. And so I'm hitting you with, you know, six ten tens because that's how I'm going to win in a way that makes sense in this context. But yeah. I have decks like Trades in the Infinite that are just going to win in a different way, and I, I just choose not to pull it out. But I I made it, and I keep it, because somewhere in the back of my mind, I want to be able to assure myself that I can play at a higher level if I want. Yeah, that's that's kind of a, a spike thing to say, you know, I, I want to, even if I'm never going to play this deck, I want to build it because I know I can, and I'm going to to, to be able to, to, to compete at a higher level if the chance comes up. If, if I'm playing with a stranger who says look, I only have a deck with powerful cards. I only have a nine. You want to play with me? I go, okay, sure. Yeah. I think this is another thing that makes our meta particularly special, that we have these mixes of personality profiles being represented among us. If you heard those three profiles and thought, I'm definitely a Johnny or I'm definitely a Timmy, you know, that's probably pretty rare for people to say I'm only one. Yeah. Like all psychological profiles or extremes, you probably exist on a spectrum. 
all of us probably exist on a spectrum. I think I'm a mixture of Johnny and Timmy like Randy is. We find interesting cards, but then we want to smash them against each other. <laughs> <laughs> or, or we want to see if the high variance can work in our favor in order to have an emotional experience. Derek and Benjamin have those bits of spike in them where they want to push themselves to the next level of understanding the game and being able to play it at a high level and testing themselves. I think a spike's hardest critic is themselves. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So those are the three player profiles. Whenever they're talking about card design mechanically, whenever they're talking about what cards do or what they represent in the game. Wizards, in their game design, also considers what they've called aesthetic demographics, which are divided by what they consider beautiful in a game. Aesthetics are the way things look, the way things appear, and the way these things feel. And Mark Rosewater has kind of developed two aesthetic demographics, and he considers each of these as their own spectrum. These two demographics are called Vorthos, which was the name of some Wizards employee's D&D character, <laughs> and then Melvin, which was the name of a different D&D character of a different employee. So a person is Vorthos or anti-Vorthos, and then a person can be Melvin or anti-Mel. But more likely, the person is going to be on the spectrum in between, just like with Timmy, Johnny, and Spike. Vorthos people appreciate art, lore, story, and characters. We're the people who fall in love with the cover art on the box for a new board game. We're the people who pick novels based on the cover. And in Magic, we're the people who resonate with cards with good art or characters that have great storylines. A person who is Vorthos appreciates when things have a literary or story type of beauty to them, or an artistic sense. Yeah, they're the ones who get annoyed at mismatched lands, mm -hmm. at at you playing a Phyrexian in your Weatherlight deck with, with Sissek. <laughs> yeah, you know, equipping boots onto your elephant. Yeah, they're the ones who both really appreciate and really dislike Universes Beyond because they mess with the, the magic storyline. Man, they, they really like a deck that's entirely Doctor Who. Yeah, that's that's so true. Vorthos can be people who really love magic or certain planes or making a Walking Dead zombie deck or making a Stranger Things spellcaster deck. And those are the same people who get annoyed when you start mixing, intertwining those things. Saying that Eleven the Mage doesn't belong in your game with real mages. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. It's interesting because you can look at this. I see this in other games too. Hey, I really like how in Ticket to Ride, it's like you're actually building trains and the different color, you know, or I really hate how Ticket to Ride doesn't represent how a real railroad magnate would do it right they would be the type of people who would look at that too right yeah or they love the storyline of certain games they love the time period it represents they love the art on the cards in in a game like successors they're the ones who really appreciate deluxe editions that go above and beyond that's true too yeah like mark rosewater says this is not opposite to melvin or mel people are either vorthos or anti-vorthos there are some people who don't care about the card's art, as long as its mechanics are really good. You know, if this card is just really good because of its abilities, then it doesn't matter what it was called or 
what its art looked like. It could have the worst art in the game. I don't know. I might I might get raked over the coals for this. Do y'all remember the Mystical Archive Faithful Saluting? Yeah. <laughs> I just... Oh, oh it just the had one that, that was... It was that art that kind of looked like magazine cutouts. Yeah, I think I do remember that one. It was it was it was rough. The Faithless Looting Strixhaven Mystical Archive. That's right. So I'll I'll put that art up there in the video version. Listen, somebody tried really hard. You know, I I'm not an artist. I don't have any art theory training whatsoever. And from my understanding, this is all hand painted or hand painted or digitally created in some way. But for the untrained eye, it looks like a magazine cut out with construction paper. Yeah. Like, taped on it. And art is so subjective. Yeah, yeah, art is so subjective anyway. But the card is just as good as it's always been. Mm-hmm. One red for draw two cards, then discard two cards. It's got flashback for two and a red. Yeah. That is a staple that has been played in Magic for many, many years. Yeah, ten years at least. There's 22 printings of it. So this is a card that gets reprinted all the time. It just got reprinted in Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Looks like its first printing was Dark Ascension in Innistrad Block. Interesting. I just wanted to add on to that that particular piece of art. Magic has been getting in the hot water recently with using some AI-generated art. And Mm -hmm. then I look at that one, I'm like, maybe that person should have used some AI because uh, (laughs) of... Like, you know... What what magic has it been magic specifically? No, not, or no in their in their stuff? advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, it, it, was, it was an advertisement, but they even came out saying, "No, no, we we pay someone to do all this. This, this is all original uh, artwork." Did a person have six fingers or something? No, no it, well, it was the background, and there were like five or six cards, I believe, that they were like showing off for a new set. Uh huh. And it was it was literally at the background. It was like books and and, and like a library kind of setting. Like, like a huh. fantasy library, but yeah, it was it was AI generated, and they're like, no, 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 this is all real. And then eventually, you know, they got kind of caught, and they're like, we we won't do it again, we promise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, back back to our psychographic. Vorthos people appreciate art, lore, story, and characters. Some people don't care. They're gonna play the card whether it's aesthetically pleasing to them or not. And that brings us to the other one, Benjamin. I think you'd be a good person. To tell us about Melvin. Or yeah, this yeah. is the most Benjamin thing I've ever seen. Yes. Yeah. Mel, Melvin, I, I definitely, I was, if you hadn't brought it up, I was going to say I identify with this more than <laughs> anything else we've talked about. Yeah. This is a person who really loves mechanics, game interactions, the way the rules are structured, the way that different things interact with each other, just basically the mechanics of the game. And this doesn't just apply to magic. I think I've mentioned multiple times When Mm -hmm. we've talked about games we've liked, games that I say, man, I just love how when this game does X, Y, Z, it really, it's a beautiful thing, right? And that's Mm -hmm. seeing beauty in the complexity, in the interactions, in the game design, rather than in the story it tells, the art it puts on top of it, or whatever. It's It's more about seeing the code in what was created and saying, that is beautiful. That's a work of art in and of itself. And I know several friends, and uh, hopefully they're, they're still listening to this podcast, that, that <laughs> are like that, right? Uh, they care about the crunch of a game. They care about, about whether or not something feels realistic, whether or not the game designers did a good job of streamlining a process or, or causing a, a cool interaction or things like that. And Magic is really good about this, about purposely creating cards that work well together, 
about creating environments when you have multiple sets where different themes will kind of come alongside each other and complement each other or yeah. specifically work against each other. And that's something I really appreciate in a game and especially in Magic. Yeah, a card that comes up often in Vorthos-Melvin discussion is the Demon Grizzlebrand. If yeah. y'all don't know the card really well, and I'll make sure to put it in the video. Grizzlebrand is a 7-7 demon. He has flying and lifelink, and he has this ability. Pay 7 life, draw 7 cards. So we've got pay seven life, draw seven cards. He's a seven seven. His mana cost is eight. He's got swords <laughs> for hands. <laughs> he does that, yeah. He's pretty awesome. He has big swords and hooks for hand. He's banned in commander yeah. because Cowards. of his ability. Pay seven life, draw seven cards is really good. But seven, 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 seven. He costs eight mana. Yeah, like, that, Orthos. <laughs> yeah. That bugs me. That is so annoying. And sure the game design like relies on mana cost to balance all the rest of its abilities so like if he costs eight you know that's not enough for pay eight life draw eight cards make him an eight eight yeah like that's not enough cost for all of the rest of those ability lines but it's just it's just so off another card i want to pull up is literally it's from the Baldur's gate set it's literally called plus two mace oh yeah yeah i know what you're talking about yeah plus two mace Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two. It costs one and a white, so it costs two mana. Equip costs three. Boo. Uh, they could have made it two. <laughs> they could have. There are other cards that have this same line. Plus two, plus two, equip two. I think it's literally Volshock Morningstar. Yeah. Uh. So, <laughs> so the aesthetically pleasing version of this already exists, and they decided to make it equip three instead. Are they different rarities, maybe? Those sure, but, but it's just the... Yeah, it's the, still the, a flavor fail. The, yeah, the flavor. Yeah. And it's like, it, and it's not quite like a flavor in Vorthos fashion, but it is a flavor in Melvin fashion. Yeah. Like, I look at how those mechanics could have been parallel. Maybe that's the writer in me, the, the reader in me, who likes stories to have a bit of parallelism a cycle to repeat itself but that was so annoying to me yeah derek randy how are y'all on the vorthos melvin spectrums derek are you a vorthos do you really care about stories and specific characters and stuff like that i i think i'm in the middle somewhere i yeah. like the art the lore the story the characters i got really mad when omnath wasn't in the march of the machine story i was like oh, i can't wait till they get this into car we're gonna find out what happened to omnath and if you know because omnath is my favorite character yeah uh he was my omnath locus the mana was the first deck i ever made because i was inspired by the first deck Travis made for me. Or, you know, it was his deck, but he was letting me play it. It was a green Nylia, big creature, fight stuff. And then yeah. Omnath was everything I ever wanted, and I've just loved that character ever since. And when we didn't see him, he was just a card, and that's it. I was so upset. And I feel like the the story, I'll be super invested, like, oh, what's going on in this plane or whatever. And then, like, the first eight out of ten episodes are like, oh, cool, cool, cool. And then, like, the ending kind of sucks. I'm like, oh... Well, that was let down. Yeah. So you had hoped that Omnath would be present in the actual story, like lore of March of the Machines. Yeah. So we got a card of it, but nobody ever in the story wrote anything about it. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's a, that was a real bummer flavor thing for me that I, I missed out on. Yeah. But that being said, 
I would never let art or whatever stop me from playing the best deck I could play. Yeah. Like uh, with like Vorthos and stuff like that. I, I don't care enough about the story or the art or whatever to uh, make a, a worse deck than something with better... <laughs> Uh, I mean, I guess it's Spike talking in me. Yeah, I but mean, that I, makes sense. I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle, and Melvin's the kind of the same way. I like when cards are doing cool stuff, and you're like, "Oh, this is gonna, you know, I'm gonna pay ten mana. I'm gonna get the roundhouse kick one of you guys, uppercut the other one, and then shake hands with the third one." Uh, <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, I'm gonna pull it off. It's gonna be cool." So I, I enjoy being able to do that and, and working my way through that the way I like to play the game. But also when things are too complicated and they get, I feel like I get too bogged down in the mechanics and the rules and stuff like that it's like i stop caring it's like okay i will not play this card or i will not do this because i don't want to keep track of it i don't want to deal with it yeah that's how it was with the ring temps for a long time it's like either i go full in or i don't include any of them in any deck i know exactly what you're talking about there are definitely some mechanics in the last three-ish years of magic that totally turned me off that i'm not interested in including in any of my decks the dungeons yes initiative yeah day and night no i need to hire an accountant to play magic now i I can't do it get a cpa (laughs) yeah and there are even some cards i haven't cut kathar's crusade from any of my decks yet but there's a part of me every time it comes out where i'm like man i gotta make an extra token every time this comes out because each thing is gonna have a different number of counters on it Mm-hmm. And it's <laughs> like it can get annoying like that. I feel exactly the same way with Case Arth Crusade. I'm like, is is this card six mana or five mana or however much it is? Is it worth the headache I'm gonna have to do when the snowball starts rolling in my deck and I'm making you know two or three creatures into the battlefield at a time, whatever? Trigger, yeah. trigger, 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 trigger. It's like ah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's like the bandwidth of your brain starts slowing down and stuttering because it's created so many blockages. Yeah. Just like a video game that starts stuttering because it has too many actions it's trying to perform at the same time. Yeah. That's how it was when we were playing last time. I uh, was playing my Frodo Sam deck. It's a life game Mm -hmm. deck. And there's so many triggers. And it is, it was, I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with the deck yet. I've only been able to play it twice. But it is trigger happy yeah for sure so i can get overwhelmed by that randy how about you i feel like i'm uh, more of worthos because i do appreciate nice art and stuff like that and sometimes have like you know kind of like favorite characters and the thing but i don't care so yeah. much about it where it's like well that doesn't make sense how can uh how can this uh, uh locks it on where these uh lightning grease they don't fit on his feet like you're kind of joking about earlier <laughs> but it, yeah, i'm yeah. like i'm not thinking about that i'm gonna put these boots on my horse yeah <laughs> or tachiova with no feet <laughs> yeah <laughs> this mermaid's gonna wear these boots but i i mean i do like to do themes sometimes you know with, with decks mm-hmm. and you know like, like the shrine like that's i feel like that's kind of like a, a very flavorful deck you know it's yeah for I mean, sure yeah like the rules like that and mechanics i guess and that all have to work together but I didn't play it because like, oh, mechanics work real well. I did it because it's like, ah, a bunch of shrines and chairs were beating people up. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, yeah. for your shrine deck, you took it kind of one step further. You have, for the deck box for your shrines, it's like that little kimono, yeah. Japanese-inspired deck box, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, I mean, before and before that, I had the, like, the Great Wave style box. And then, you know, yes. and then for like yeah. my uh, Nymphs at the Guild, the Living Guild Pact, 
Is that what's called? <laughs> you know, like like mm-hmm. that's the whole theme of that deck is gold cards and gods, and so I have like gold sleeves and a gold. Oh, that's right, box. and the gold box. Yeah. Vorthos people do love blinging out their aesthetics. Battlefield. I like the aesthetics of things, and I yes. want you know, like like whenever I I put even just like my generic decks that I don't have a lot of like thought into it i'll even be like oh i don't want to put this deck in this sleeve or i don't want to put this deck in this box because it doesn't match the color and so mm-hmm. like sometimes i'm like i had three boxes but the colors don't match and so i'll go buy a new box <laughs> you know all you vorthos is out there you you heard about vorthos and you're like man that's totally who i am i need my battlefield to be blinged out don't forget that you can use promo code meta at eldoradogaming.com for 10 percent off for metal dice and playmats, and our Magic the Gathering counters. And join our Patreon for the exclusive 20% off. I was going to add one more thing about, you know, like, like for me, it's a lot of uh, about the aesthetics of things. I think y'all were kind of mentioning a little earlier about, like, fine-tuning your decks and then the and the mechanics of it, you know, or, or like, oh, is, is Cathar's Crusade really worth it because I got to do all this extra math? And, I, and I'm like, I'm willing to spend a little bit more on a card, not because it's mechanically better but it's like oh i like that art a little bit more mm-hmm. so it's like i'll spend the extra two dollars because i like the art on this one compared to this one or like in order to get like the alternate art treatment or yeah. the foil or, or, or to just not get the old crappy art that i do not like yeah. i do i do not like mm-hmm. a lot of that early i like, don't like that that first decade of art for magic <laughs> it, it's like yeah it's like, it's, i feel it i feel it's you. like you know no disrespect to them and the people who enjoy it but to me, it, it's yeah, like... The, the masters, the pioneers, they it's like, it's earned like their you place. Can see, it's like, oh yeah, this was when Magic was a small company with limited budget. <laughs> That's how I view it. I'm like, yeah, this looks like <laughs> oh, it's man. a limited budget artist. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> shots fired, shots fired. Wow. Shots fired we're, from Randy. We're going to get some sure. bad comments for that. We would if yeah. we had more listeners. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? I mean, you know, I mean, I'll see some of those artists this weekend at TCG Con. I'll be like... That's the best you could do? No, I won't do that. No. <laughs> I won't do that. Oh my god. Randy's it's like, gonna walk it's up 20 to, years later. Uh, You've done better than this now, right? Benjamin, what's the guy who did Curd Ape? <laughs> exactly. He, he's I'm proud the, of he's this the guy who's going to be there. Yeah. He has a bunch of those old ones. I'm, I'm just like, man, this stuff looks the... Oh, uh... Old Curd Ape. Ken Meyer. Yeah. Benjamin's yeah, going to yeah. walk up to Ken Meyer. Just spit in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, who did I say? Who did I say? What? You said I was going to do it, oh, and sorry. I'm not. No, Randy's going to walk Kurt up to Ken Meyer great. and just be like, that's a monkey? It's like, it's like it's been Her? 20 years. You're better now, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> New Kurt Ape was Therese Nielsen, who I understand is a favorite of a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about all of these psychographic profiles, Timmy, Johnny Spike, and Vorthos... And Melvin. These are the ways that people appreciate games and the way people get into it and ultimately the way they express themselves. Vorthos and Melvin are kind of like intake, what you like in a game as you take it in. And then Timmy, Johnny, and Spike are output, what you give out when you play it. With those in mind, let's take a look at this week's news News. from from the Warfront. Warfront. The Germans are on the move. (laughs) Okay, uh, this post came from our Magic TCG. This is a subreddit that I don't usually follow. Benjamin, I think you're in Magic TCG. Yeah, yep. But I decided to give it a gander, see if I could find anything. And first off, I loved the title because I loved the reference. This post is titled, 
How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Just Throw My Wife in the Deep End. I love the movie How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. I think it's so funny. They have that scene where they're in the war room. They're all arguing and somebody goes, there's no fighting in the war room. Right. Uh, which I just think <laughs> is hilarious. So this guy tells a story, I'm not going to read the whole thing, of trying to get his wife into Magic the Gathering. He starts off by saying that she's not a non-gamer, but she's more of a traditional gamer. She has weekly games like Mahjong, Canasta, Gin, Bridge. Like, these are the types of games she does play. And he says in his post that he tried for about a year to get her into Magic, doing the things that... A lot of podcasts, a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of content creators, and I've even done this myself when I try to teach new players, which is you start from the basics and then you get more and more complex. We had an episode about how to teach your game, and that's what we discussed doing, is starting with the most basic building blocks of the game and then building on once they're ready and once they've understood that basic context. He has this short story where he says, my sister came by with her new boyfriend for a game night and we found out that he also played Magic and they decided to play Commander, three-player Commander. He says, while setting up, his wife walked in into the room and decided she wanted to join us, that she had FOMO, fear of missing out. And he says, now there was a slight problem here. The only decks we had were highly tuned decks for more experienced players. Lots of interaction, combos, things that make a high-powered commander deck. So he was expecting her to get frustrated at all the mechanics getting thrown at her. You know, a bunch of new keywords. He doesn't say what the decks were, but maybe it was mutate, or maybe it was disguise or morph. Day-night cycle. <laughs> yeah, the day-night cycle. It, there's undergrowth, like the addendum. There's lots of things that happen in Magic. Each set they come up with a new keyword almost. And so after a 30 year long game, you need to know like 30 to 50 keywords in order to know what every card can do. So he says, I expected her to get frustrated at all of these different mechanics, but to my surprise, she was enthralled. And while it did make for a slower experience, she held her own and the next day was asking when we could all play again. He's sharing the story. story. He says, you need to gauge your student and see what will engage them. He had followed all this advice to start slow, and it had been a year of his wife kind of hemming and hawing and not knowing whether they want to get into it or being that interested. But by being thrown into the deep end and seeing how complex it can get, his wife got more engaged and wanted to know and play more. It sounds like his wife has been a Melvin all along. Yeah. Yeah, someone who appreciates... Lots of rules, mechanics, and how these mechanics work together, but hadn't been able to know that magic was even that deep of a game. If they're just bashing six sixes against each other, they might not have known how intricate the game can be. And I just thought that was a really cool story, a neat demonstration of, you know, sometimes you just have to trust your student and show them what the maximum level is. Show them the skill ceiling. That way they can decide if they want to get there or not, or if they want to go slower or not participate at all. But we want our friends to be interested in the things we are. Mm -hmm. But I just thought that was really neat. What do you guys think of think of that story? Is that how we should try to get Nikki and Derek, your Kristen, into it? My Kristen would not love to be thrown into the deep end. 
<laughs> if anything, I'd have to get her on like the Vorthos stuff. Yeah. Find some kind of character or theme or something that she could really connect with. I mean, she likes Clue. Clue's coming out. Yeah, I, I and I've yeah. mentioned it. I try to get Nikki with Lord of the Rings when when, the, when that set came out and Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, there's an Aragorn card. And- <laughs> Kristen and I uh, started watching The Walking Dead, and she asked me the other day, "Is there a Rick card?" Oh, and I said, "Oh yeah, yes, there's there a Rick card." And she asked, is oh. there a Michonne card? I yeah, said, yeah. Yes. And Michonne creates zombie tokens to distract other people while she attacks. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. I'm interested in seeing if I can make some of these decks around some of these Walking Dead characters. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the exact same thing because I was telling Kristen how I felt like this year she's kind of gone into the theme and I'm kind of trying to inspire her about being creative mm-hmm. and so i'm like you know you feel like a very is it type person they're they're all about expression and trying things out and being creative and stuff so i've been like actually as we're talking i was just kind of browsing through <laughs> is it commanders that she might enjoy melek the t-shirt creator yeah i'm kind of inspired <laughs> by this conversation of like oh man maybe i could find something that Kristen would like yeah guys here's what we should do we should have a league exhibition match where we all make decks for our partners and we make them have a four player game <laughs> with us like <laughs> looking behind their shoulder okay i love it <laughs> and like being like the little devils or angels being like i think you might consider playing this card <laughs> sarah would absolutely stomp the yard absolutely yes she would yeah she probably she's, would. she's a spike she's, been she's a heavy for spike a, for a while well i mean been playing quote unquote she knows how to play she has played with you more than any of our partners have played with us that's fair yeah 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 she understands the the rules and she's a spike if we if we did this she would care enough to learn she would want Quickly. to practice beforehand? Yes. <laughs> See, I do not think my Kristen would want to practice beforehand at all. She would say, oh, okay, no. give me a deck with some horses in it. Yeah. And I'd go, oh, but- no. <laughs> so she's Sarah- already lost. <laughs> Sarah is a is a spike, but she's also a Vorthos. She wants pretty cards. Mm-hmm. She wants them to tell a story. So I would have to carefully curate a deck that was both good and pretty. Yeah. Like, she really likes pretty cards, so... (laughs) My Kristen would be like, I want to play Otter Tribal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, here's Bronze Sable. There's four of them. Right. Randy, what kind of deck do you think Nikki would be into? Oh, man. Um, A Lord of the Rings something? Yeah, I mean, that's probably what I would build would be something Lord of the Rings themed. I hadn't really thought about what kind of deck she would like. I know when Derek was talking about like you know his Kristen, I I think I think I could see his Kristen being a um, Simic, just just out of nowhere Simic. All of a sudden, she just like into all the the, the big weird creatures. Well, I was thinking uh, you know, obviously Strixhaven because of Harry Potter Wizard School. Yeah, yeah. And is it sounds like her first D and D character, which was all fire. Yeah, that's mage. what I was thinking too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, pretty much anything from Strixhaven would probably be upper alley, I think. Yeah, I agree. And she'd never admit it, but I, I think she is a spike. And I think that's what stops her is that she wants to win and she can't win. She doesn't want to play. Ooh. <laughs> well, that and she hates upsetting other people. So yeah. she's like, if I win, I'll upset other people and I don't want to upset other people. So I just won't play. That's all we that's why we play D&D yeah. together because it's co-op. Yeah. Not, not competitive. Yeah. That was fun. I just thought it was a, a cute story. You know, this person's not asking for advice or asking for feedback from the community or whatever, but they just wanted to share an experience that I think is so important in extending your gaming group. You know, just like we talked about knowing your 
friends in order to get them to play your games, these profiles can help you to do that. If you can figure out what type of person your friends are, you know, I I leaned into the Timmy aspects of Derek and Randy, hoping that that was going to be enough to hook them in. And I think it proved that there's enough Timmy in both of them that it worked. And then as they got into the game, they develop more and more of these personality aspects the deeper you get into a game, which I think is normal. You know, as you learn yeah. more, you're going to start exploring and getting interested. This was just a cool story of a guy who said, sometimes the simple stuff is not what's interesting and they need to know how deep the pool is in order to see if they're interested in swimming. It. Uh, I just want to add real quick. Yeah. I realized what, I, it just came to me what, what Nikki is. Nikki's Rakdos. <laughs> she she yeah. she is she would hundred percent be cutthroat and will just want you all to just suffer. <laughs> Judith Scourge Diva, maybe. I mean, yeah, like like she's like, nah, sacrifice that. You don't get to keep anything. Blow this up. <laughs> kill this. Rakdos is how I would uh, self-identify myself as a color, <laughs> like in real the life. Black. <laughs> Yeah, like in well, you know, like as a if I was to fit into something, I yeah. feel like the black ambition, the red passion, the uh, black red kind of a little chaotic agent. <laughs> I do think we should do well, a color pie the machine eventually. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fun. Just like magic as a game has so many cool ways to know thyself. Like yeah, yeah. we have these psychological demographics. But the color pie is like a personality test in and of itself. You know, which colors speak out to you? Anybody want to add anything before Benjamin's words of wisdom? All right. Okay. Benjamin, take it away. As per usual, this is not a topic that only applies to gaming, right? There are people in your life who are competitive at their job or who care about the careful interactions between rules and expectations who care about the organization of their room versus the art on the walls, who care about the story that their that their lives are telling or that their that their that their clothes tell or that their their timeline on social media tells. There are people who who want to self-express and people who are thrill seekers and want to rush and want to do big things or do cool things. People who who want to prove themselves, who who want to be the best. They study because they want to get a high score versus the people who want to study because because they want to learn something versus the people who study because the topic's cool, right? Yeah. And so as you consider these these different psychographics, consider yourself in other areas because I've noticed that the same way I relate to magic is the same way I relate to teaching, the same way I relate to lawyering, the same way I relate to friendship and, and basically the activities I choose to pursue. And knowing yourself and knowing the people around you can help you to curate experiences, just as you talked about at the beginning, that you want to have. And so uh, I want to encourage you to be introspective and, and, and to be perceptive of the people around you and try to make at least that part of your world a place where y'all can both get that sort of joy out of life. Awesome. Love hanging out with you guys. I love our league. I love our podcast. You guys are my great friends. And I think... I agree. Yeah, likewise. I think knowing your personalities has made it easier to be friends. I think that's Does true. That yeah. Make, did I just like start talking and then just... No, it's it It's almost sense. like my mouth was moving without my brain. Oh boy, yeah. story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to bring this week's discussion to a close. Don't forget to check us out on... Spotify, YouTube, 
Please remember to like, share, subscribe. We are at a position where we need reviews. If you have not reviewed our podcast on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, wherever you are getting your podcasts, leave a quick five-star review. Obviously, commenting in your review is going to help also, but we want to make sure that our podcast is showing up whenever people are looking for relationship or gaming podcasts. We want to get up there in the search results. Find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mymythicalmeta. You can also reach us directly by emailing mymythicalmeta at eldoradogaming.com Thank you guys for listening, and thank you guys for being my great friends. Adios! Bye! Later. Goodbye. Farewell. This episode was sponsored by Eldorado Gaming. Use the promo code META for 10% off your order. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share. This episode was edited by me, Travis Konashek, and our intro and outro music is by Tyler Heath of the Oh Hellos.